The Staff and Graph Podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I'm Mike Stevens of the Hockey News, and sitting across from me is the one and the only Jesse Marshall of The Athletic. Jesse, how you doing? Much like the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mike, they've, mm-hmm. brought, they've brought an American to this podcast to straighten it out and get it, get it running smoothly again. So the first thing that you ever did is compare yourself to Austin Matthews. <laughs> That's what you're exactly. doing. Yeah, yeah. Only in nationality, though. Okay. Only All in right. nationality. Yeah. I don't possess an iota of skill. I don't make my teammates better. I'm not going to score any goals. Um, that's it. That's really hey, you make that's you make me better. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I so there you that. go. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this is going to be fun. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, you you, you want to keep doing this, and we'll uh, we'll be going for it. So, I guess to to jump us off here, because you know you you're you're a father. You've been going through the whole day. Uh, you have a you have a lovely eleven month year old. Or uh, we cracked a year. We had the yeah. We're over Ooh. a year now. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. What what'd you do? Elmo party. Elmo Sesame party. Street. Yeah, yeah. Big time Sesame Street team. Uh, Elmo mm-hmm. cake. Uh, it was the whole Elmo shirt. It was the best day of her life, man. She's a big Elmo stand. So to be surrounded by Elmo was uh, a dream come true for her. I mean, of course, if you're an Elmo fan and then you yeah. got that was I mean, I mean, I guess it still is Batman for me. Like I was like, even at that young age. I was I was super at a Batman party one year and it just blew my socks off. So those yeah, are core yeah. memories are for Ghostbusters for me. Big oh. Ghostbusters, kid. yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Ghostbusters party uh, for five, I think it was. Yeah, Damn, well, uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's hockey. yeah, hockey. Well, you know what? Our our show is a whole a whole bunch of stuff. You know, we can talk about you know hockey. We can talk about Elmo. We can talk about Ghostbusters if you want. It's all good. But let's let's jump into hockey. Um, so, um, you know, there's the tragic passing of Eugene Melnick, um, just like, you know, it's, it's horrible. No one should ever, uh, you know, ever should die that early. Uh, he leaves behind, uh, two daughters and, and, you know, a b- bunch of family that you know, obviously mourns him. The thing is though, is that, and there's a really interesting and, and sort of delicate balance you have to, you, you have to, uh, sort of strike here in, in a situation like this, um, where you want to eulogize someone, you want to remember them, um, and respect and respect, uh, their, their memory while also not sort of skating over um, the somewhat negative impacts that they had on other people's lives. Um, Cause there were some, and there was a great piece by your, your publication, the athletic uh, always great journalism. Love it. There's I'm, I, I'm sure there's some crazy thing where they pay you for a subscription uh, fee now monthly, which is going to be great. I don't know that you're, it, it just keeps going down each month, um, which is great. <laughs> but um, I, I'm eventually going to have to go to like your house and like talk about the game, like in person, like you could have like a, like a cup of coffee with me or something like that. That's the worst prize of all time. Nobody oh. will want that. Uh, they'll send Gentilly. That'll be who it is. But it, somebody's getting, getting put out there uh, for like a, a lunch and a brunch. Uh, oh no. When they subscribe. That's, that's, that's the next, that's the next step. It's like auctioning off a date. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Well, look, I, I think you're selling yourself too short. I think there are going to be some people who are lining up around the block for that. That'll be great. Um, 
<laughs> but so there were a lot of things that, that, that they, they brought up in this piece. I believe it was Katie Strang, um, Ian Mendez and Dan Robson all did a great job on it. Um, and it was one too, Mike, that like they, they have been working on this for a while, right? So, yes. you know, I, there was a lot of questions, not a lot of questions. There was some question from some people on like the timing of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, like, we, again, you know, I, I don't think it, it was written, um, for any other purpose is to, to paint a picture of what a reality was like for a lot of people. Right. Um, it's, you know, I, I, I think from a timing perspective, um, you know, their work was already done. This was already set to come out. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it just, you know, and coincided with a, you know, an unfortunate event. Really? So, you, so this, this was just like, this was all I, think I know. Was something, they, yeah. This, they've been working on this for a really long time. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this I think was, a piece of that magnitude had to have some, some sort of like had to have a lot of legwork done on it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like there were a lot of sources. There were a lot of different sort of through lines, a lot of different events that you had to go and corroborate and this, that. So I even liked how in the piece they, they mentioned that um, when they, when they went to go ask, um, I think it was the current senators, uh, like president of business operations or something about some of the, like just to sort of like corroborate these stories. Um, they included the fact that he said that the timing was, a little opportunistic and all that. Like they were very open about it. They're like, look, we're not trying to sensationalize this. We're just telling a story. And unfortunately it happened to coincide. And also like, it's important because there are a lot of people who were negative, negatively impacted by Eugene Melnick, you know, whether it was from, you know, whether it's arena workers to a guy like Daniel Alfredson, who got, you know, who gave kind of his all to that, that franchise and was sort of driven away from it by Melnick twice. Um, I, I want, I guess I want to get your thoughts just like from your, I mean, your, you're in it like you're, you're, you know, you're in, in the athletic sort of cess, uh, not cesspool. That's a bad word. Jeez Louise. Um, <laughs> you're in uh, you're in, in sort of the umbrella. What are you like? What are your immediate thoughts on it? And I guess, I don't know, like, like how, how do we remember Eugene Melnick moving forward from here? I guess the question is, is like, what difference does it, and I like, look, I don't think the piece was written to disparage anyone. I think it was written again to to paint a picture of a reality that existed for a lot of people, right? And and this one person had an impact that stretched not only to the on-ice personnel and the team, but to, as you mentioned, the arena workers, the people behind the scenes, people mm-hmm. in the community, the people in the hockey community at large, the people in the community in Ottawa, it it extends that arm extends in a far reaching way. And it, what difference does it make? You know, an honest question here, if this piece comes out today, if it comes out six months from now, mm-hmm. the story is not changing, right? If anything, Ian, Dan, and Katie probably have more time to get more information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, let's be honest. This, this, the narrative is not going to adjust in a major way here. We're talking about, and, and just like, like the lines that stood out to me, Mike, acknowledging these lines in the greater scope of some of the problems that we have going on in hockey right now on a very broad scale, yeah. uh, toxicity, uh, you know, walking into the building and feeling that it was toxic people in the building being scared to even say his name out loud. Um, you know, cold play blaring all day long, which was, I thought like its own form of cruel and unusual punishment, in a weird way, you know, that, that was my favorite part or not my <laughs> not favorite, but like, you know what I mean? yeah, I know what you Adam Wilde yeah. brought it up on the SDP day where it's like, imagine getting into work and you just hear like the, the, the cord from fix you just be like, <laughs> and you're like, Oh no. 
Crack that door open, it's just clock smacking you in the face. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, but then you have the whole thing of people not getting paid. Yes. And that's a whole other thing. So, you know, look, I, 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 I again, it's, it's a delicate topic. And, and anytime you're talking about, um, you know, someone that's just deceased, I think in, in this shorter period of time, there's going to be a level of sensitivity to it. But again, there, there are far reaching problems in this sport right now, Mike, off the ice, mm-hmm. culturally, that have to be addressed. A lot of what's in this article fits into that. Yeah, especially, I mean, what really, I mean, I, I think obviously what comes to, to front of mind when you say that is his comments on the hockey is for everyone campaign, um, yeah. you know, that he compared, he compared a hockey is for everyone campaign. First of all, he just said, like he said, extremely homophobic stuff, said it was disgusting, like, all you know, that just like literally just same sex couples hugging each other and, and, and kiss, not even kissing each other in the mouth, kissing each other on the, on the cheek is like the same to, to like, you know, they're like explicit or debaucherous images. And he, he like, you know, equated it to uh, when they do like the, the, the animal shelter uh, charity night, you know, like it's, it's like a gimmick, something like that. It's just, you know, that, like that, that's horrible as well as just like, it was brought up, I think, somewhere, but this stuck with me is that didn't like Bob Murray had to step down um, for allegations that, by all accounts, are not as toxic as this. Everything, you know, like that, it, there shouldn't be like a competition to see what's, you know, what's more toxic, like toxic is toxic. But like it from from these stories, like I cannot imagine the psychological hell that it must have been to work in the Ottawa senators organization hockey ops or not. I mean, reading some of the emails Mm -hmm. that he wrote to, uh, to the women that worked for him were just like, that was the part that was like stomach churning, especially, uh, you know, I think people in, you know, I have like the Pittsburgh perspective here, Mike, and like, I think people in Pittsburgh remember, uh, you know, the, 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 CSI investigation that got launched when Matt Cook. Oh, Jesus. You know, and, you know, Matt Cook never really deserved the benefit of doubt on anything. Let's be clear. <laughs> but like, and what was an ultimately super innocuous situation where, you know, his foot comes down on the back of Eric Carlson and his cuts his Achilles. I mean, this is a hockey, unfortunate hockey thing. And you hired a, a group of guys to come in. And I guess, like, in some corner of sort of Zapruder film, like break down this grassy knoll tape that was going to undoubtedly prove that Matt Cook intentionally severed the Achilles of Eric Carlson. When you think about that, and then you read about like this air of, and I quote Katie here, litigiousness mm-hmm. that was in the air of the office, like, wow, that's not a surprise at all. But what kind of like environment is that where as an employee of a business, you're concerned about your business suing you? <laughs> I mean, that it, you have to foster a special kind of bad environment to be concerned as an employee that your own boss is potentially going to take you to court. I, I can't even imagine, like you're already going through like the nine to five grind. You're already trying to make ends meet. You probably have a life already. Exactly. Right. You know, and, and you already have, you probably have like a spouse or a, you know, a child to take care of. You would know that. Imagine like your, your level of workplace stress right now. And you're like, you know, your, your attempt to juggle work-life balance. And then the athletics trying to sue you on top of that for some bullshit, like for some, like I can't, that would drive a person insane. 
she uh, uh the, one of the uh, uh women employees ex-employees of the senators uh went on vacation uh mm-hmm. and was out of town uh melnick emailed her um you know requesting i guess some information she did not reply uh immediately because she was on vacation uh and in all caps um he launched in and used a word that i just like you know it's it, like it hurts to say like it, it's one of those that just it's a pang you know and it's the third word in the email oh, like he geez. went he went straight into it so to your point mike like you talk about like the burden of going to work right mm-hmm. and the burden of having to support your family and the stress that comes with having a job and and depending on where you're at in hockey ops like that can in and of itself forget the turnover in Ottawa, that in and of itself is a job with a lot of turnover. And you see people sometimes like leave hockey, hockey ops and it's years before they get another opportunity. Rachel. Right. <laughs> Donald, right. Uh, so these things, it's, it's a serious, it's, it's a business, right? It's a ruthless business. Yeah. You, it's not something you play around with, but to, to not even be able to disconnect from it, to not even be able to leave and go on vacation and unplug yourself and take your PTO and your time off to have that constant burden of needing to answer all the time. Um, that's, that's horrible. That's horrific. There's no, there's no escape. And then on top of that, like, and this hit home personally is that the people like people not getting paid on time, you know, yeah. where that can, that can ruin a life. You know, like there are people like there I'm, I'm there are people who live paycheck to paycheck. You know, there are like there are people who are trying to make ends meet. They have they have dependents, you know, families, whatnot, not getting paid on time and not not even just being like a vendor, but like, you know, an employee like that is that. First of all, it's a great way to just essentially eradicate all motivation in your workforce, like just completely. Um, and it's another way to just crush a spirit like just to leave someone dangling like they don't know what to do they speak up they could get you know railroaded for it or blacklisted or fired and, and on top of that as well like th- there were also many things where he would fire someone and then like forget that he fired them and then he they, that person would come in the next day and just like you know it would be like nothing happened and the psychological like it's like reminding me of that seinfeld episode yeah. where george quits yeah. And then like in that fit of rage, but then like cools off and then just goes back to work the next week. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like the opposite of that. Opposite of that. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, I can't even imagine that. Like, it's like, th- like getting fired has probably got to be like, in turn, like, you know, in terms of non life or death stuff, one of the, like the you know, more traumatic events you can go through in, in modern life. Like you have to, you, you immediately start going, how am I going to make ends meet? You know, how like this, that, the other, and then, and then just like for him to be like, Oh, well, no, that was just me. Being, that was just Eugene being Eugene. Uh, get back in here. Keep working. You know, it's it's is it's insane. And but then, like in the, on the flip side, like there there are stories of him doing, you know, really nice things. There's stories of him being a generous person. You know, yeah. uh, philanthropy. Philanthropy, like charity, has always seemed to be you know top of mind with him. Um, and it, but it also seems that every like good deed is it's tinged with some sort of like venom. You know, like it's all, yeah. there's always a caveat to it. There you right. Go. Charity with a, with a, butt. exactly. Right. Like there's always a caveat to it. It's always, uh, you know, like for example, the, the Ukrainian uh, man that he befriended, 
um, and became sort of a father figure to him. And then like randomly decided, like said, just decided that this guy stole money from me, even though there is like definitive proof that he didn't. Um, and, and the relationship is over. Like he, right when, when all the stuff was happening, uh, when the invasion happened in Ukraine, he gave him money so he could get out of out, that. Yeah. Which is an incredible feat. But then even like during that, he was just like, yeah, but you know, you stole money from me. Like how much easier would this be if, uh, if you didn't steal? And he's like, I didn't do it, you know? And it just, yeah. it, even, even with like, you know, he sent, uh, he sent Eric Carlson, um, uh, flowers uh, uh, for the birth of both of his children, which is a fantastic gesture. But you know, like Melnick played a big role in Car- in Carlson not being on the team anymore and fraying that relationship and fraying that dressing room. It's just there's always with all of these good deeds that that he does, there just seems to be this like whatever the opposite of a silver lining is. That that is, it's always just ingrained in there. I. You know, I, I'm looking across the landscape of sports, Mike, not just a hockey comment that I'm about mm. to make. And there's so much we're uncovering, I think, and yes. have been uncovering for the last several years. So many ugly things uh, with regards to ownership. I and mean, you've got what's, you know, what's going on with the Washington football team, the commanders now, I guess, um, <laughs> you know, the NFL and the disaster that's going on there. I, I remembered, you know, as I was reading, and this is a lot less, you know, we talk about like there's some menacing stuff, right, mm-hmm. in this moment piece. So what I'm about to mention isn't menacing at all. But I was, I hearkened back to the Dave McKenna piece from 2017 about how Ted Leonsis invited him over to visit. And in that visit, showed him, you know, like an hour worth of conspiracy footage he had compiled. They had proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to him that the NHL was in the tank for the Penguins. Like that was his meeting with Ted. It's an hour long video review of how the Penguins were fixed and the, the NHL was favoring them. And like, I just think like, you, you, you know, that's, that's not insidious. Right? How did this that, get by me? I'd never heard of this. Oh, man, this, yeah. It came out in like 2017. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's deranged. Uh, he wrote, he wrote, the the whole thing um um yeah so i guess the point i'm trying to make is you know that's not as insidious as you know what we saw with with melnick but mm. there's just seems to be this this permeating uh sort of vibe across ownership to do uh bizarro stuff weird stuff <laughs> sometimes doesn't make that sometimes harmlessly doesn't make any sense uh, and sometimes like insidiously, you know, affects people's lives in a negative fashion. What is it when you get a certain amount of money, you just become crazy? I don't know. I don't have enough money to be able to attest to that. Like, I don't like I don't get it. Like, if, if I had even a sliver of the amount of money that Eugene Melnick had, you would never hear from me again. I would buy Phil Kessel's one seat movie theater and live in it for the rest of my life. Yeah, I don't I don't understand what it what it. Uh, like it, it, this extends to, to outside of sports, but like a guy like Eugene Melnick, you know, like you have all this money, like wh- why, why are you doing this? Like, like if I had all that money, I'd be like, why I, I want to make as many people like me as possible. I, um, this is what's exciting about being a Penguins fan right now. Hit me. Because while you generally have Mario and, and Ron Burkle as your ownership group, uh, Ron Burkle was never really around, kind of was like a mysterious guy, you know, flew in and out. You know, and Mario, for those that don't know, lives in an area of Pittsburgh. which like very like uh, coffee shoppy, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
Gentrified, quiet. maybe? Yeah, no, yeah. Well, super, yeah, super. Mm-hmm. Uh, quiet, you know, like brick, brick, you know, cobblestone street type, you know, vibe, you know, old school, you know, you know, um, um, churches and you know, little parks, but you never see them. You know, he maybe goes to, to get a coffee, see whatever. Now Fenway Sports Group owns the Penguins, mm-hmm. right? You've got like LeBron involved, right? Like it's all everything has changed now. Uh, you've gone from like you never hear a peep. Um, you know, quiet as a church mouse to like loud, boisterous um, Liverpool FC, you know, vibes here. So mm-hmm. um, I think everybody's excited to see the direction that that goes. But uh, but anyway, um, yeah, that's neither here nor there. That's, yeah. That just went off on a tangent. But, you know, get no, the go for it, man. I love this Pittsburgh. Here. I love this Pittsburgh uh, perspective here because we, I like I don't get that, you know, like, you know, you I'm, I'm sure you're sick of seeing the Toronto perspective. You know, you see that all the time every time you open up Twitter. So. Hit me That's with that true. Pittsburgh perspective, yeah, man. It's true. It's unavoidable. I'm the, uh, uh, not to brag or anything, but I, I I did lead the the Pittsburgh Pirates as GM of them in NHL, in the previous NHL, uh, NHL, MLB, the show, uh, to, I think it was like four World Series in That's 10 years. I so. know video games are just so unrealistic these days. I know. It's crazy, but I did. Or you're build, just I, really good at MLB, the show. I don't know. I built a contender. I'm not going to lie. So hopefully I'll, I'll get my key to the city in the mail. And we can be good from there. All right, let's let's move on to uh, you know another another maybe a more uplifting story. Here is the Seattle Kraken. It seems like off the ice because on the ice they're bad, and I'm and I'm not sure whether I'm or not mad about that. Me too. Okay, you know, can we just talk about that real quick? Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. just vent, 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 vent. Why you're mad at the Seattle Kraken? Go. I feel like going if you look back at the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. And, and all the you know people were building expansion draft calculators you had jay fresh out there my boy you know you, <laughs> you tools out the wazoo and excel a lot of people built a team that from an expected points perspective was at like 109 111 you know, like really had the opportunity to do like a whopping amount of damage and be like a vegas-esque story yeah right and like i feel like they totally dropped the ball on that oh they, they blew it they won in some areas, right? Like Jared McCann, no brainer, great pick, like playing really well. Brandon Tanev, no brainer, like playing really well. But there's just so many holes. Their goaltending is an absolute unmitigated disaster. But did, okay, did we see that coming? No, you can well, that's goaltending, right? I mean, goaltending is voodoo, right? Yeah. Uh, a group, I don't think specific to Group Bauer, no. Um, but the, the, even without that, though, the roster construction, there's just, I think, you know, I felt like there was too much of a nod given to the future um, and, and, and where you're just putting yourself in a position where you're gambling, you're passing up, you know, the opportunity to build a hundred plus point team to gamble on low percentage picks later on down the line. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's not, a, that's, not a winning, that's not a winning strategy to me. It's just not. And it's not, obviously it isn't because look at the results. Yeah, and they didn't even like they didn't even leverage. Okay, if they they had two paths forward, right? They could have gone. We want to be good right now, so we're gonna take all the best players that are available to us. You know the the Tarasenko's, you know the uh, like, like those kind of those those kind of players, the the ones that are kind that are people are they're trying to sneak through and do that. And they did that in some cases, you know, like you said, Jared McCann. You know, I still think they Leafs absolutely dropped the ball on that, but you know, whatever. Uh, like Brandon Tanev was a great great addition. Penguins. Did too. So That's true. Just, yeah. But there. then, hey, you got Philip Hollander back. So, you know, there yeah. you go. Plan on, yeah. We got to see him the other night with a line with Brian Boyle. 
hell yeah, dude. I love Brian. It, again, <laughs> you another form relief. You know, I, you know where I'm going. You know. No, I do. Yeah. Another form relief though. Scored zero goals. It was great. Um, but anyway, yeah. And, and like, they could have picked up a, a lot of those players. And it, like I said, in some case they did, you know, like they, uh, they signed Jaden or they, did they sign or they trade for him? I believe they signed Jaden Schwartz. Um, you know, a- Adam Larson was a good pick getting Giordano who has been just a revelation for the Leafs, but um, unfortunately, like, you know, as a, I think it was a great job, um, did a, it was a great pick for captain, but they, but if they wanted, if they wanted to like, you know, take the long route, rebuild, build internally, they didn't even like screw teams in a way that Vegas did. They didn't even go, you want to protect your guys? Second round pick. They made that outright commitment publicly at that mm-hmm. publicly that they weren't going to engage in that kind of behavior. And I thought that was like posturing and just driving a tough bargain, right? They want the right price. They're going to go and, and make teams, you know, bend over backwards to make these kind of deals. Nope. They nope. really stuck to their word. And what a bizarre thing to do is to publicly proclaim that you're going to do that before you do it. I mean, I understand doing it, but like revealing the strat beforehand and just saying like, Hey, this is it. We're going, we're going about this honest business here. We don't want to, we don't want to put anyone in a bad spot. We don't want any ill will. We're going to just go at this thing straight as an arrow. Okay. Like, cool. I guess like, but you know, you, you probably didn't have to tell everybody beforehand. I don't know. Yeah, somebody could have called you with an absolutely ridiculous deal that you, it was like a no brainer that yeah. you know, maybe you dissuaded that a little bit by announcing that you weren't interested in those kind of phone calls. The Kraken were the Kraken were in a position to have an expansion draft at a time when Jim Benning was still employed and they didn't take <laughs> advantage of it. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. Like yeah. that is one of that is one of the most appalling missed opportunities. Like, you, you know, the, the famous, I believe it's Dmitry Filipov is saying, you know, find out if you're a GM, find out who the dumb GMs are and call them every day. Yep. And I feel like if you look, I feel like Vegas looked around, they're like, oh, well, there aren't too many dumb GMs anymore. But then you go think, hmm, if I'm, if I'm looking around and I'm not seeing any dumb GMs, maybe I'm the dumb GM. Yeah. Which is crazy too, because it's Ron Francis. I was like one of the most savvy centers of all time. Like, this is a guy who, you know, I mean, <laughs> every level he's ever been at and management on the ice or otherwise has been, um, you know, just an unbelievable individual. So I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I was just, I was, it was boring. You know what it was? It was boring. That's what it, it was. was. It was boring. That's what it turned out to be boring. And that is the, that's the biggest sin you can commit in, in, I, I guess, modern hockey is just being boring. Like at least if you're going to, if you're going to flame out, go out in a blaze of glory, you know? Yeah. But instead, they were just like, no, we're going to get, we're going to pick a, I don't know, like Dennis Cholosky, you know, or something like that. And then we're going to get back. Torwinsky. Yeah. Then we're going to give him back up on waivers. And, uh, you know, like even, even with a guy like Alexander, like Bear Brule, like they, or Boulet, like they got him on waivers. And then, you know, he, he's an interesting under the radar guy for Tampa, you know, grew in that system. He's great in the AHL. And they just gave him away on waivers again. Like it's like there's so many of these little moves that are just these death by paper cuts. Like you could have been so interesting. And you 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 really blew it, but wasted. A, I wasted a high quality pick to Mike and Vince Dunn uh, from a fantasy league. That, that didn't really work. Oh out. man, really yeah, that's brutal. Well, so. hey, at least like there was. I was I was actually matched up against Myrtle um, it, it, this one week in fantasy. All right. Yeah, and uh, and I needed a spot start in goalie. And and this is earlier the start of the year. This might even mean the first week actually. And I'm like, I need a spot start for one night. 
um, to reach our minimum three goalie appearances. And I picked up Grubauer. I think he was playing like the Senators or some some team that I thought, you know, is not a confident here. Yeah. yeah. And I believe he put up like minus three points because he led in like five goals on eight shots and got pulled. And I was I'm like, I was looking at this like, can I like launch a class action against this guy for what he just did to me? Like this is this is absolutely ridiculous. He you get you get even even somewhat somewhat competent goaltending because they you look at their goaltending. It has been I don't think they have a single um, above 900 goalie on the roster. I don't think they I don't think they ever have all year. Whether it's Drieger, whether it's um, uh, uh, Grubauer, whether it's uh, Decord, I don't think any of them have been above 900. It changes it changes the landscape a little bit. Yeah, has to. But off the ice, they've been doing some good things. And Marshawn Lynch and Macklemore, two Seattle legends, um, have become minority investors for them. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, you know, obviously the 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 All Pro running back. He, he spent, I believe it was six seasons in Seattle. It feels like longer, but it was six seasons. His best seasons in Seattle. He won them a Super Bowl. This, that, the other. Beast Quake, all that. He did that against my New Orleans Saints, which was tough. And then there's Macklemore, um, who, I mean, I guess is a is a rapper by definition, if you want to call him that. Um, my question is, does him pur- purchasing a stake in the Seattle Kraken, does that make up for him stealing a Grammy um, from Kendrick Lamar? No, it doesn't. No, no. Did you see uh, Marshall Lynch whipping the Zamboni around? I was just about to to bring that up. Yes, that is. See, we talk about what you would do if you had ludicrous amounts of money. Um, that's what I would do. That's it. Why wasn't Eugene Melnick just pulling donuts on in the practice facility every day? I don't know. That reminded me of uh, when uh, Marshall Lynch stole the uh, injury cart mm. at West Virginia. Have you seen that video? Yeah, and he almost oh, did. Yeah. He almost run someone over. <laughs> several, I mean, several people. Yeah, listening to him tell his version of that story is always entertaining. But uh, um, no, the Macklemore thing. No, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm. I think there are people who have sworn off going to the Grammys because of that. I think that like they, they're, I'm never like going to attend again in person um, type situation um, out of that. Yeah, I was, I think 14 when that came out. I think. So obviously, you know, being a 14 year old white kid, I was all up. I was all about all up on thrift shopping. Um, I love that song. I loved that song. I look back on it and I go, no. And also his um, his same love song. It was parodied too well by uh, by Lonely Island in Popstar. Never stop. Never stopping. If you ever seen that, if you ever heard the equal rights song, go take don't go take a look at that. It essentially it's the very very funny parody of that and it's ruined it for me forever um but this i look off the ice they're doing all the right things they've jerry bruckheimer the biggest producer in hollywood back in them uh they have you know they have celebrity uh, investors like like marshawn lynch and malcolm Moore who are tied who are like grassroots tied to the community they seem to be doing everything right allison lucon oh man the best hiring they've like the best signing they made on the ice or off She's killing it up there. If you're like the kind of like, I don't know how you know, the, the demographic to this show is still something I'm learning about, but um, she does such a good job of taking somewhat complicated data concepts and just making them the most digestible thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Oh, I, 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 like if you're dipping your toe into the world of analytics, like some of it's new to you, you're not 
super familiar with it. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, she's phenomenal at uh, what she's doing up there. Truly phenomenal. And that above, like you could be the smartest person in the world, but I can't tell you how many Twitter accounts I've muted um, where people just throw graphs at you and expect you to know them and go and just like kind of do like the troll face and make it just completely make you feel stupid for looking at their tweet. Allison is the complete opposite, you know, and, and, and the, I think the greatest skill you can have in, I guess, like modern analytics today is making something complicated sound simple. You can make anything sound complicated, you know, like people that's, that's people get off on that. That's, you know, half of academia right now. But what Allison does is she takes like the most complex type of advanced stat and she boils it down to the essential nutrients of it and gives it to you in a pal- palatable way. And it's, and it's fantastic. Um, and I guess our last uh, our last little topic here is going to be it's it's one that you haven't heard of, but this is actually this is one that no you uh, I had this totally flew over my head I I missed this in the in the news cycle so um, this is wild yeah okay so let, let me let me let me let you in on this so you know who Dryden McKay is right the mm-hmm. yeah so the he won the Hobie Baker, Hobie he's, Baker the, yep. he's one of only three goalies to ever win the Hobie Baker now very funny little little side note here is he won the Hobie Baker as the top player in college. He did not win the most outstanding player in college, uh, outstanding goaltender in, in college hockey. He was the most outstanding player, but someone else got goalie of the year, which doesn't seem to make sense to me. Um, but okay. Uh, it's very, very, very odd. But so he he, 38 and five, by the way, too. Um, absurd. Like that's like absurd. Like it was, and now you talk about a hell of a year. Oh, he's, he's just, an absolutely incredible, like career making year. Amazing. He was really on the teeter, like teetering on, he's 24, you know, like that's, that's usually the cutoff, but he's going to get, he was thought to have some NHL interest thing is. So I believe it came out on Tuesday. He accepted a six month uh, suspension by the, uh, by the USDA or USADA United States athletics or no, the United States anti-doping association um, because he tested positive for a performance enhancing drug uh, called Ostracine, um, or Osterine, sorry. And it happened to be that he took a tainted supplement and Osterine showed up in his system. Um, and he, once he tested positive before going to the Olympics, he was going to be on team USA. Uh, he, he immediately like flew into action. He hired a lawyer. Um, they, they went through it and they proved like without a shadow of the doubt. And if it wasn't for the company that made the tainted, um, uh, supplement sending an uh, sending a sealed bottle to the water lab um, to get it tested. He would have been and and therein therein like matching up that yes this is this is a supplement that is tainted and it shouldn't be here and it's not it's not on the the ingredients list and all that. If that hadn't happened, he would have he would have been looking down the barrel of a four year ban. It, that is I can't imagine the fear that that he would have lived through. Now he had now because he, because this did show up regardless of whether he was guilty or not, he does have to accept some sort of suspension. So it's six months, the season's over. He'll be able to to be able to, to, I believe return to practicing on on August 15th or return to games on October 11th. But this is a man, this is a kid who stared his, like stared the death of his career right in the face. And it was, I guess what, like a D three, vitamin like a vitamin d3 immune booster that he had taken taken for nine days to fight off COVID. nine days yeah it's like during a COVID like variant surge um which i guess then so i guess like his team like they like fully submitted all of those supplements like 
to a lab for testing. And then like that, like testing report, obviously paid, like they played a huge role in all of this, but like, I, I guess reading in like some of it now, like between now and the time you told me there was a possibility that maybe certain parties like, you know, weren't going to cooperate with each other here. It was mm-hmm. again, like going to potentially put like his whole, you know, career at risk. But um, we see circumstances like this popping up, like all over the place though, like people taking supplements, thinking they know what's in them and then getting busted for something later on down the line. It's terrifying. Like I can't imagine the fear that this kid felt when this, what, like what, when he got that, because I mean, he clearly didn't do it maliciously. Like he was doing it so he could keep playing. He was take he took this thing. So in the middle of the Omicron surge, so like, and, and right before he was going to the Olympics um, that his immune system would be boosted as much as possible. So he wouldn't have to not, we wouldn't have to sit. And then, look what happens. And then this is a guy who was already sort of like on his last legs of his amateur career. Like he's 24, you, you know, most prospects aren't prospects by the time they're 24. Um, and he was garnering NHL interest. He was undrafted and all that on a career season. And then it all could have come crashing down. And the worst part is he had to play while this was hanging over his head. And he, only, I think the only people he told was, was his coach and athletic director. So, so they could help sort of like usher in the process because if he told his teammates, something would have slipped out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's terrifying. No, that's, that's terrible. Um, and I don't know, like, what do you do as an athlete now? Like, I guess you give something to staff, like at school before you take anything in that situation then, like, or if you're playing for a junior team or whatever it is, like you just submit every single vitamin you're going to take to somebody for testing before you take it. I mean, I guess maybe you have to, I would if I was him. Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't have a choice, right? Like, you risk this, right? But I guess he can start practicing in August um, with whoever and can start playing in the fall, which puts him right on track, right? Which is why he's not appealing this, because that could potentially drag this process out. And if the six months doesn't get reduced through appeal, all you've done is essentially delay your own ability to start on time somewhere next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that in and of itself too sucks, Mike, because you have to accept this this punishment, right? The six month ban, you don't have enough time to adequately fight it. So you can't even go to appeal. You kind of just have to plead guilty and suck it up. It's, it's uh, like, it'll be a great story for him to tell, you know, later on in his career, but at that moment where there's so many things at jeopardy for him for his future, like this is a, this truly is a make or break year. I can't imagine what it would be like, especially in the middle of a pandemic too. Like just the added stress, it would be. Well, do you can't, I mean, if you, you know, people always question the mental toughness of goalies. I don't think that you can do that in this case. Like oh, that better God. never come up for him again later in his life, like in a scouting report that he can't handle pressure. Um, Cause the man, you know, played uh, with just some unbelievable things hanging over his head. Um, I think we can, we can scratch that off the list for the time being. Uh, get that out of the hot, t- the hot take repository. Yeah. Yeah. You can find the podcast on thehockeynews.com and you can find Jesse's work at theathletic.com. It's a great website. Both are great websites with great people writing great articles. Um, until next time, I guess. Would you like, Jesse, would you like to leave uh, our listeners with anything lovely to say? Uh, no, I mean, just if you're looking, you know, there's some real Elmo compilation bangers on YouTube. Our oh, hell yeah. Um, themed, you know, cars, um, seasons, whatever it is you're looking for, you know, check them out. I mean, you never know what you'll find on there. Oh yeah, man. Uh, you, one day you're gonna have to explain the whole Rocco beef 
because it's dominating my TikTok feed. Um, but I don't know why rock, why Elmo, Elmo hates this pet rock. I, I don't get it, but you know, I support him because I mean, when has Elmo ever steered me wrong before? Exactly. All right. Well, lovely episode. We will see you next time.